Lost World Minutes, the Minimal Minute Podcast, reviewing 997 sequel Jurassic Park, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. And today we're here to discuss Minute 93 of The Lost World. Dave, it's a uh, local retail here, especially, and um, we've seen the photos from the last couple of weeks in Mexico and some of those lower states, uh, Texas and that, where uh, toy stores are breaking the April 16th release date for Fallen Kingdom figures. I got out and had a chance to find a few this past weekend, but unfortunately you had a bit of a mishap while you were going out to look for some. Yeah, I did, I did. There has been nothing around me. Nothing, and I I, I mean, I found the gyrosphere that we discussed last week. Yep. But since then, nothing. I've, I tried going again Tuesday, but on the way to a uh, nearby Toys R Us, I got in a car crash, unfortunately, and totaled my car. Oh, yeah, that was totaled. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well. That was the blue Ford F truck? No, no, no. That was, thankfully, no, thankfully, I got rid of that. I got, oh, okay. I got rid of that a while ago. No, this was my main car, the Saab. Oh, no. So, yesterday, I had to go car shopping. How'd that go? It actually went pretty well. I got myself on a financing plan for a. 2015 blue um, Chevy Cruze. Okay, nice. I suppose the important thing, how are you? You're safe, all safe and good, no no injuries? Yeah, yeah. no, no, no injuries on, any, on either of our parts. Oh, that's all right then. And so, the unfortunate part is I'm going to, uh, the monthly payments are pretty low. Uh, it was only it's only like 180 a month. Yep. But that unfortunately means that I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to buy everything that I wanted to at once. Yeah. I maybe be away with maybe one thing every couple weeks. But yeah, unfortunately my Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom buying will have to be limited. Yeah. No, that's unfortunate. Hopefully, the some of the figures stay around long enough that you get the opportunity to uh, to get them. Because as I said, I went out shopping yesterday, and um, there'd been some notifications going around that our local Kmart's had broken the curfew, and mm-hmm. um, went to one, and it was empty. It didn't even have stuff of other other figures that I collect, and um, <laughs> went went to the last because the, there's two in town here, and they had. Almost complete wave one. They had the uh, the fresh and fro T Rex, and then the the medium sized ones that are all electronic, the Triceratops, uh, Metrocanthosaurus, and the Allosaurus. Um, nice. And then the smaller uh, the smaller ones had the the green Velociraptor in blue, uh, the Dimorphodon, the Dilophosaur, uh, and the Gallimimus. And nice. just for nine dollars, I was. I, don't, I couldn't remember what they were going to be. I thought they were $9 over there, but for them to be $9 here, even the, the Triceratops and the Allosaurus, and that, with having the electric gimmick and the uh, the push button on the back that opens and close, or snaps the jaws shut, just that being a $20 figure, they're great. And just the playability, like the Galmimus, it, even though it's plastic, it's sort of a softer plastic in parts like the neck. It's almost a rubber, so you can sort of move the neck around a little bit without uh, without tearing the plastic. But, oh, that's great to um, hear. Yeah, the definite standout is the that fresh and fro T Rex. Like, it has all the all the sounds you know Rexy to have from across the films, um, or the Tyrannosaur to have from across the films, and it's just 
it's like having a, the little uh, animatronic controller here in your hand, um, moving the tail around, just making the head move, making the, the jaws open and close. It's probably as close as you'll get to having your own animatronic. And just the playability, like it's got that little function where you can move the table one way and it sort of comes down, snaps up people. Unfortunately, people haven't been released here yet, so I've been chomping up Dilophosaurs and <laughs> other other little, the smaller dinosaurs. But um, I've just been using it like a little Marquette um it was it was doing Gund- Gundam style yesterday and dancing around on the kitchen bench and, <laughs> and had my son laughing so hard he nearly wet his pants and uh, <laughs> I just just been getting some great playability out of it like even um, like the arms are a soft rubber and not plastic so you can sort of move them you can open the, the the fingers up a little bit and as we talked about even with some of the production things like the paint on it the detail um, just the head sculpt is fantastic as well. Um, I'd like to see what the mechanism is inside the hips that controls it all, um, whether it's just a bit like a plastic rod in there, just just so I know sort of the longevity of it. Um, because we've talked before about like the uh, the big T-Rex, like you got from um, Jurassic World, and how the rubber on the necks all started to perish. Oh yeah, it's terrible. The um, Hasbro Jurassic Park T-Rex, the stomp and strike. I've had such buyer's regret since I've seen the pictures of these come out, especially when pictures of them together have been posted. Yeah. Well, just I... because the quality difference is staggering. I mean, the fact that I thought that um, that the Stomp and Strike was good enough for me to put money <laughs> on to buy. Yeah. <laughs> It was just how badly we were treated under Hasbro. Yeah, that's it. Like my son got out the um, Indominus Rex and that Stomp and that T Rex as well. And just looking at it yesterday, there's just no comparison. Like even just the fact that the jaw doesn't even line up, when it just sort of hangs, sort of gumpy out to one side, and the paint and the sculpt itself, where this this thing's fantastic. Um, but it's got a little nice little rubber at the end of the tail as well, so that moves around. And again, for forty nine dollars, I <laughs> I was going to buy two of them. <laughs> um, they had three of them on the shelf. They only had one each of the other figures, so unfortunately, I wiped the Kmart out. But um, I'd I'd I've got to do some more looking. I'd love to see this stuff um, sort of over through local sellers um, because I'd love to just leave the stuff on the shelves for the kids. Because mm-hmm. just just seeing this, like I didn't find the colossal T Rex anywhere, but just seeing the fresh and fro one there. It's as big as the red one from um, the original film, if not a little bit bigger, I think. I haven't stood them side by side, but um, just seeing that on on the shelf and having the box open, you can wiggle the tail around and play around with it, unlike some of the other lines where it's all sealed off, where kids can't play with it. And then it's just it's just great seeing kids being introduced to dinosaurs again, the dinosaurs here in the Jurassic series, so... Yeah, man, you sound like you're having fun over there. Yeah. With that. Well, it's a, it's got a real touchy um, sensors on it, so ah, right. I, I dare say the batteries will come out shortly. But um, yeah, I'll just put it down so hopefully it doesn't make any more noise. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just just great fun and sort of um, can't wait now to um, sort of to get the rest of the line um, where I was going to sort of stay around, just get maybe the colossal T Rex and a couple of others, but. But that's not the only thing. Last week, uh, I managed to make a deal with someone on uh, Facebook, and I found a uh, original Jurassic Park standee from back in the day. Really? It seems to be a Australian variant. There's 
Astrid's um, got one that's sort of a bit different. It's a three-piece one where this is a single piece and sort of condenses the image more where you've got like a high fern with a raptor head coming out the side. And um, mm. I'm pretty yeah, sure... I I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I posted up in the in the Facebook group, but uh, you got the damaged fence there and it's sort of just snarling around the corner. She's got one that's actually got motorised, like the hand and the jaw, lower jaws motorised. Um, oh, that's cool. Which, yeah, <laughs> it was fantastic. But... Uh, Managed to get this one over. It's about four feet tall, five feet tall. So I've just got it sort of behind a display case at the moment with a sheet over it, just so it sort of keeps the dust off it because I haven't got anywhere to put it currently. <laughs> um, and so that was a great find too. And also uh, before Easter, someone, I think it was in Jurassic Park, the group, someone posted from Australia that uh, Australia Post over here was releasing a uh, Jurassic Park 25th anniversary set of stamps. I remember. Yeah, the, I saw those. Yeah. I saw I, the... Yeah, I remember back when Jurassic Park came out, they'd done a sort of a, a dinosaur line, which was, uh, I think, Dinosaurs of Australia, where you had Mudabarasaurus um, and some other dinosaurs sort of drawn more in the, the more realistic, like the Walking with Dinosaurs uh, design, and not so much Jurassic. But um, it's it's interesting, just some of the designs they've put on the stamp. Um, to There's 20 stamps in all. Unfortunately, half of them are just um, Australian uh, native flowers which is unfortunate but it was only $12, $12 so it's well worth it it's in a nice cardboard cardboard sleeve type of thing on the inside you've got the massive Jurassic mm-hmm. Park gates and the tour road and just that, that uh, view behind it and the mountains but um, they've got uh, they've got the and this is all sort of um, it's not concept art it's sort of the art of the maquettes that they took or made from the films so you've got the Brachiosaur and the Trenosaurus from Jurassic Park. You've got uh, the male Trenosaur and the Parasolophus from The Lost World. Mm-hmm. And then you've got one, two, you've got four different raptor designs from Jurassic Park 3, as long as as well as the um, the Pterodon as well. So oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's just good that it's sort of from across the franchise, not just Jurassic Park stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, that's something great, and again, that's just good something small. It's about A five size that can sort of stand in your collection, and not take up too much room. But yeah, so stuff's coming in, and as I'll as I'll discuss next minute, uh, I've also been venturing over to Chronicle as well. Robert Burke said that the T Rex was a rogue who would abandon its young at the earliest opportunity. I know I can prove otherwise. One last bit of news before we get to this week's minute. Um, Steven Spielberg coming out this past week and uh, pretty much confirmed that Colin Trevorrow will be writing and directing Jurassic World 3. At this point, we don't really know if uh, if that's a reaction from people seeing the final uh, Fallen Kingdom cut. But I think, like most franchises, it's just the fact that uh, Trevorrow's coming back to finish what he started, I suppose. Yeah. I'm not particularly happy about the news, just because, I mean... Trevor has zero sense of suspense and atmosphere, really, and he makes nostalgia fest movies. Yeah. And I just don't want that from Jurassic Park Six, again, you know. Yeah, and that's yeah. When when this when this could possibly be the end of the franchise, it's gonna be yeah. If he's just gonna do a full nostalgia thing to say here, this is this is what we've done for six six films, and end off like that. I don't know. I wonder if some of it might be... I can't... 
No, it's not her. They don't have the name here. The um the original the female writer was on board to write it. Uh, also recently penned Pacific Rim Uprising, which uh, I wasn't mm. a fan of. Yeah, I heard it from a lot of people who just yeah. Don't. I think uh, it'll find its legs overseas again, like the original one does, I'd imagine. But uh, after hearing a couple of interviews with J.A. Biona, um, I think most of that movie's problems come down on him. Just a quick note from production. I'm sorry, not J.A. Biona. I mean John Boyega. It was John Boyega I was meant to say. Sorry. Because uh, he started his own little production company, um, and they had their teeth in it pretty hard and uh just hearing how he was talking about how he wanted this and ta- this to happen and that to happen i think because it'll say he was acting i think a lot of stuff was getting rewritten on on set as well but um it's just unfortunate now with that film coming out i suppose it's it's almost a mirror of what happened to trevor when uh book of henry come out and all of a sudden he was off star wars so mm-hmm. um, it's it's a dog eat dog world of uh movie making and uh if you're not uh, putting out good product, I suppose you're not going to get the good projects. But I'd, I'd prefer this sort of stuff to come out after the film is released, because <laughs> just it just or it doesn't really add to uh, to Fallen Kingdom one way or another. Like it's still it's it hasn't come out yet. We're all going to go see it. So yeah, it's just it's just like having Jurassic Park Three even announced in that now. Just old Jurassic World Three. Just let the film come out. And don't rush into it like you didn't hear, and just um, just let it all play as it does. Yeah. Ian, the animal's dehydrated. The first thing it's going to do is go to a water source, and then it's going to look for the next thing its body needs. All the containment equipment is here. We've got to get it back to the dock. The boat might still be seaworthy. Right, right. Am I thinking what you're about to say? When we brought the baby to the trailer, it came. There's no reason to think it won't do the same thing here. Yep. All right, ready to get into 93. Yes. Alright. As we ended on minute 92 of The Lost World, Ian ran into the kiln shed, presumably to safety, but was face to face with a raptor, clawing its way through the hole in the ground that Kelly and Sarah had dug earlier. As we open on minute 93, Sarah and Kelly are yelling to Ian to come up here to climb, and he does. He runs over to the wall and starts to climb up, just as the raptor comes through the hole and gives chase. At 92 minutes and 9 seconds, it leaps through the air, narrowly missing Ian's leg, and crashes into one of the panels on the wall. A small cloud of smoke rises as the circuits sizzle. At 92 minutes and 14 seconds, Kelly starts to walk away from Sarah, eyeing off a pair of parallel bars, and Sarah yells out at Kelly, no, as Kelly leaps out in the air and starts to swing. At 92 minutes and 24 seconds, we cut back down to the shed floor, where the raptor's watching Ian closely before it leaps up onto the catwalk and blocks his escape. At 92 minutes and 28 seconds, we can hear Kelly, Hey you, and we cut from the raptor's POV to see Kelly swinging on the bars before she swings down and kicks the raptor out through the side wall of the shed. At 92 minutes and 33 seconds, we cut outside and the fallen raptor's impaled on a piece of debris on the ground and it's kicking wildly as it dies. Back inside, Kelly dismounts from the bars and stands looking at the hole in the wall, exhausted. At 92 minutes and 45 seconds, Ian climbs back down to be by his side and smiles. The school cut you from the team? At 92 minutes and 50 seconds, we hear a snarl coming from behind the shed. Ian turns to see a shadow coming across the hole on the floor. He grabs Kelly's hand and they run for the door. And as we end minute 93, 
The camera starts to rise again as Sarah starts to climb towards the roof of the kiln shed. As we ended last minute uh, and last week, uh, Ian had ran into the kiln shed for safety, presumably, only to come face to face with a raptor clawing its way through the hole that Kelly and Sarah had dug earlier. Mm-hmm. Again, great use of the animatronic here, just having the front half of it sticking through that hole and snarling straight back at Ian as he looks down at it. Yeah. But he he runs over to the wall and starts to climb. There's some pretty good... Um, unfortunately, the movement is just too quick on the um, animatronic to get a mm. good shot of it. Really, like a really, really good shot of the entire thing in the film, but from behind the scenes stills and I'll try to find them. I know there's at least one of the raptor snarling its way through here. It's it was a really cool it's a really cool shot. I like the shot of the raptor. Yeah. Yep. And it's just again it's sort of a different position um from what we've seen the raptors in before. Like mm-hmm. it's down here trying to crawl crawl through a small opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just it just sort of again just shows how ferocious and and how much they want to eat <laughs> those people yeah but but yeah ian starts to climb and uh raptor continues to claw its way into the shed we don't know what the second raptor's doing whether it's obviously didn't stay at the door and it sort of it continues this sort of trend where the raptors seem to disappear as quickly as they appear mm-hmm. um like the two that come into the compound originally arrived really quickly, jumped over the Suburban and followed Sarah and Kelly to the kiln shed where they started to dig and try to bust their way in. And then the third one, so the first original ones, then sort of followed Ian pretty quickly to the gas station. But then after Ian sort of got out of the car and ran for the kiln shed, we don't see that one again. No. Um, well, it didn't follow him anyway because he's about to go in, get attacked, and then run straight back out that door. So <laughs> it just, yeah, it just... Um, I don't know if this is just the the curse of Spielberg sort of losing the geography of the situation again. We're going to get to that a lot more in a minute with uh, this raptor getting knocked out of the shed and where where things are pointing. But yeah, but the raptor gets inside anyway and sort of leaps up and Ian just pulls his leg up just in time um, onto that first landing there and something gets knocked off the panel that the raptor hits. But it looks like a hairbrush or a welder's wire brush is left sitting on top of that that panel but i was going to ask you about that because we see it jump and kind of the claws knock at the kind of the switchboard here Mm. we see a dash of sparks and then a puff of smoke come out with a hissing sound yeah i was always wondered what that was when i was a kid because it's almost like an electric hissing sound it doesn't sound like a raptor no no i always presumed it was like a short um whether he's hit hitting one of the claws has gone into those red lights or something and just shorted shorted out because old wiring again too but it doesn't uh as we as he pulls back and as we see sort of after this as well there isn't really any damage to that box like it's obviously just a practical effect they've set off Mm -hmm. to show that the raptor impacted the panel but yeah i do just love that little puff of smoke which sort of happens if anyone that sort of has had a household appliance uh let go and give up um you do you get that little fizzle of um, electricity and just a little puff of smoke mm-hmm. <laughs> as the as the sort of con- the conduit w- uh, melts off the wires or something before the fuse goes or the uh, circuit breaker goes but yeah 
In fact, I just I just noticed that the lights are permanently off on that box. So yeah, the raptor definitely busted something inside of it when it when he uh, lunged after Ian. <laughs> For that scene, because later when they go to leave the kiln shed, it slipped back up again. <laughs> yeah, I, I've made sure I focused on that art as we get back into it. But um, yeah, obviously they filmed film that running out scene before they brought the raptor in mm-hmm. and then put it through the uh the wall of the shed just for the lighting but yeah but it's just odd here too like Ian pretty much climbs up the exact same spot as where kelly uh sarah pushed kelly up so there doesn't appear to be ladders or anything like that in the shed but then again we don't know what's on that rear wall behind the camera because we never see it mm-hmm. and it was just interesting too in the lego game they actually replicated this pretty well where they just had chains and cables and stuff like that you had to climb the kiln shed in there was no actual ladders and that in there mm-hmm. so a good little sort of added thing they done there but uh yep as you said the raptor misses ian's leg and hits the control panel on the wall and we got that nice little column of smoke and then high up above we start to see kelly uh walk around the catwalk catwalk and uh focusing on something behind the camera um interesting here there's a bright light shining into the shed through what looks like a, a boarded up window as well I'm not sure if it's a window or just the gaps in the planks of wood just as the wood shrank and is rotting away. Yeah, because even from the exterior shots we've seen, the only main floodlights on the kiln shed are on that those that piping mm-hmm. side on the fence side. And sort of here, uh, you got the, that floodlight coming through again in a minute when the raptor gets pushed out through the uh, wall, you get the light again. Yet when Sarah sort of gets out on the roof and uh gets to the boarding house there's only a little <laughs> a little light globe there in one of those wire racks again that sort of isn't, isn't really putting mm-hmm. out much light at all yeah very yellowed yeah yeah and but even also too it sort of looks it gives more of an impression that it's been shot during the day and not actually at night just with the way the uh you've got those streaks of light coming in through the mm-hmm. gaps yeah it does because you can see the um the beams of light as they shine through the dust Mm. Unfortunately, that makes it hard to do screen caps because <laughs> yeah, wants to focus on one thing and not the other. But um, Sarah yells at Kelly. Uh, Sarah yells at Kelly not to, but she leaps out anyway uh, mm-hmm. onto a crossbar, which um, we see there's a, there's a few of these crossbars sort of running the, the height of the shed, and it's it's one of those things where you have a large uh, hollow structure like this, you would have those crossbars uh, in place to sort of keep the structure sound. So um that's all fine <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get into the routine in a minute but uh it starts off fine um she starts doing her little twirls and uh doing all that then we get a great view looking down past her through the shed and sort of that um that haze as well in there from obviously the dust from the mm-hmm. raptors clawing their way in and a little bit of mist as well but um you, you can also see that the three or four other crossbars further down below her we cut back to the shed floor and the raptor moving left and right, uh, watching Ian closely. And I just love how it's sort of crouching down in attack, in like in attack pose, but sort of ready to leap, but just waiting for that one, that mm-hmm. right opportunity. Again, it just sort of, it, it shows the raptors in that sort of aggressive, aggressive look. Yeah, they definitely watch you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as Ian moves towards the rear wall, uh, the raptor leaps up onto the first catwalk and cuts him off. And again, now we, we can clearly see these two large vented windows that are 
beside it. And the, it looks like there's a floodlight behind the window. Yeah, which again would make this that rear wall facing the mm-hmm. pipes and the fence, but um, the doors behind the camera in this in this spot, so the whole the raptor dug is down below them. So this is pushing out. It's about to get pushed out um, away from the village side, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But uh, opposite, opposite opposite wall to the door anyway. And it also these also seem to be the only large windows we've got in the shed apart from the vents in the roof that Sarah's going to go through later. The Raptor draws close to Ian, and again, just fantastic animatronic shot. Like you took um, some screen caps of this when we were looking at the Chronicle one. Mm-hmm. Just nice and up close in that detail in the paint and the, the Raptor design. Yeah, it's a really a shame we never got to see this animal in the daylight. Mm. And it's also a shame that they pretty much went... Um, after Jurassic Park 3, they went full CGI with the Raptors. Because... Yeah. That's a big head staring down at you with some sharp claws. And even though there's machinery <laughs> behind it with a guy with a radio con- with a uh, radio control remote control on the floor that we see behind the camera that we don't see behind the camera. That could still gut you, you know? Mm. I mean I'm sure it would hurt if those claws were to accidentally ram into you, you know? <laughs> I suppose it's one thing with the raptors, unlike the Tyrannosaur at least, where uh, because of the animatronic's so large, it's it's there for some of the larger scenes where you see more and the puppeteers have to be hidden out of view. When working, at least with the raptor, you, you can be just off camera or just behind the camera because a lot of the raptor stuff's up close and tight mm-hmm. shots. Well, that's, that's where the raptor uh, does its best, I think. Mm. is in those to- uh, tight close-up shots of it where it's kind of in the face of the actors and even in the screen, where you're able to kind of get this man-sized creature into a position where it's chasing after you, and it can fit through any door you can fit through. It can get to anything Mm. you can get to. It can open. It can follow you through the door, you know? I think that's what makes the raptor in Jurassic Park truly terrifying. Yeah. And and as you were saying before, like just the animatronic itself... If, even if just the head come forward too quick and head butted you, you'd yeah, be in exactly. trouble. Break your nose, you know? Yeah. And I just wish that Chronicle one looked this good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd still I'd still go and get it for even even paying more for it now that the um, gross period's over. But uh, we get Kelly yelling out, hey, you, and calls uh, out to the, get the Raptors' mm-hmm. attention. And uh, after a couple more flips and twirls, she swings down and uh, kicks the raptor straight out through that rear wall. And there's a little goofy. I was going shot by shot. Uh, you can see the raptor's feet get caught on the lower window ledge. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of... I don't know if they just pulled a raptor puppet out through the wall. Uh, it looks practical. It doesn't look so No, that's definitely a practical raptor. It's probably just the leg wig that they have. It's with a stuffed raptor full of, uh, stuffed full of just stuffing or whatever just to fill it out. But, yeah. Yeah, because there must be wires, wires pulling it out, then another set of wires pulling it up because it's got to get up um, off the catwalk to get out. But the the legs sort of catch as it's going through mm-hmm. the window and it sort of shoots up in the air another foot <laughs> and just sort of looks real weird. But, uh, yeah, but again, we've got that bright floodlight shining in that would be on the roof of the kiln shed there facing the piping 
Um, and then we get a quick look down at the fallen raptor, um, impaled on a piece of timber, and there's some other debris littered on the ground, including uh, a caged light globe, which is still illuminated. <laughs> so I don't know if uh, it took the power cable for that with it that was hanging on the outside wall or what <laughs> what the guy was there, but um, uh, magic light. It's a weird position because it would have to be on the back side of the, of the kiln shed, but and possibly impaled on some machinery. I'm not sure, but it's just some. It looks like there's some piping or something there too. Yeah, yeah. Because on the on the oh, you'd call it the power plant side of the kiln shed, between the kiln shed and the perimeter fence, anyway. Um, all that's full of piping. There wouldn't be a a clear spot like this for it to fall onto the ground. Mm-hmm. I always assumed it was just some of that planking from the. Uh, from the window that it landed on. Yeah, maybe. Um, that it actually impaled itself on. Um, again, it's real hard sort of looking. You can see the sort of the muddy earth and then there's some debris there with it, whether that come from the window as well. But then you got that light there, so was there a light pole or something there that light was hanging onto near a little control station or something? <laughs> it just You could speculate a lot about it. But, yeah. but it sort of gives its last little scream and shout there as it... Uh, Again, just the animatronic there, just kicking and flailing on the ground mm-hmm. as it uh, slowly dies. And it's a really good effect, too, and I love that pain growl that we get that, mm. you know? Yep, and then the Kelly dismounts and lands down on the uh, on the floor of the kiln shed and looks toward the, towards the uh, rear of the shed, exhausted. And she's joined by Ian. He climbs down and looks at her with a smile on the face and uh, asks her to cool cut you from the team. <laughs> So, yeah, this is probably one of the most hated parts of this movie that we just discussed. I sort of, yeah, it's it's one of those um, one of those things where you, you say The Lost World and it's pretty much brought up. I sort of asked on the, on the Facebook page um, about it and Lorenzo sort of replied. Mm-hmm. And he is right. I think that, I think the timing has a lot to do, a lot to do with it. One is a big portion of why it's disliked. Because, I mean, if you watch the scene, the raptor literally just stares at Kelly as she's doing it. And he just, you can see the head moving. You can see the head just watch, moving, moving, watching the uh, stunt actor. And it's an actor, by the way, if you pause it at the right point, yeah. <laughs> you can see it's a male gymnast in Kelly's clothes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. You, even if um, Vanessa Chester was um, proficient at, at this sort of thing, normally they they still wouldn't back then anyway. They'd still have it for insurance reasons. Yeah. But um, yeah, but not even not even the timing there. When she first is up the top of that kiln shed and walks over, eyes off the bars, and decides to leap out and start to spin, the raptor's still on the ground looking up at Eve. Mm-hmm. It hasn't even leapt up into that position yet. And then again, it sort of spends a couple of minutes there snarling at Ian while she starts twirling around. Um, A lot of uh, other criticism I've heard of the scene is actually her ability to kick or to hit the raptor with enough force to send it flying out the back of the shed like that. I mean, to be fair, I mean, to be fair, uh, she was spinning around a lot, and that creates a lot of force, you know? Yeah, and I don't think we've ever got... I know with the Tyrannosaur and some of the herbivores, they'll specifically say how much the animal weighs on the back of cards or that sort of thing for data, but I don't think we've ever sort of 
heard how much a raptor weighs. I um, think they put it in the late in um, like the bio of. I think I can't remember if it was the toys or if it was one of the adverts for. Um, if it was one of the adverts for the Dress World Evolution game. But it okay. came in between 200 and 300 pounds, so like a good sized human being if they're all muscle yeah. and six foot tall. Yeah. Maybe, maybe add in two of them just because you're dealing with a very large. I mean, you're dealing with an animal that's basically the size of a cow. You've got yeah. the weight of one, but about that, about that dimension, you know? Hmm. Well, even going back to Jurassic Park, where sort of. Um, Alan Grant's describe, describing the raptor skeleton like full of air sacs and hollows just like a bird mm-hmm. um, giving them that ability to jump and sort of from a, a flat start leap up high mm-hmm. um, their speed and their sort of agility and and the side of it there that's like hitting the broad side of a barn like <laughs> the side of its torso and hip um, you'd be able to hit that without uh, rolling an ankle um or anything like that, so... And it could have it could have leapt a bit as well out of fright, but it's it's just one of those things. We need something for Kelly to do. I'd... Is it as bad as the Unix system? I know this. Maybe not. <laughs> it might be as bad as Timmy sitting there and yelling at Lex and not going over and giving Grant that shotgun, but... And, um... <laughs> to be fair in that one, if you watch the Jairus Dress Park 3D one, where they have the superior... Um, they have the superior sound and visuals. You can actually hear Tim, uh, Grant say, get away from the door, Tim. Oh, okay. And that's just like we were talking <laughs> a couple of weeks ago about the... Uh, it wasn't 3D. Oh, 4K. Well, again, I brought Jurassic Park and 3D. I don't have a 3D player, but I'll get to watch it one day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's here. It happened. You don't hear so much more about... Uh, the fact that this is one of the only raptors we see killed, actually killed by someone, mm-hmm. um, or even animal um, intention, intention to do harm. Yes, it's a raptor. Yes, it's self-defense. We see like Muldoon go after one for shotgun in the first film, mm-hmm. and and even uh, Eric gassing the raptors in Jurassic Park Three, whether that's dangerous gas or just tranquilizer gas, I think it was just didn't seem to harm Doctor no. Grant. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like a like a oh, like a pepper spray, like crowd disbursement or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that happened. <laughs> then we get to after the two are sort of joked at each other. Sarah sh- shouts down to uh, get out of here, get out of here, and um, Ian looks back towards that hole in the rear wall, wall where we uh, see Shadow come across the hall and a snarl. Mm-hmm. So the other raptors presumably got around to there um, it's a shame you can't hear that raptor dying anymore I would love just to have that sound effect play as they run out of the shed I think it was dead so whether yeah, that, that point yeah, yeah. but uh, whether that second raptor would have been more interested in the, the dead one than coming through the hole or not that's something that sort of wasn't really explored but uh, mm-hmm. Ian grabs Kelly by the hand and they run for the door mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, and here you can see that panel's lit up again yeah, that the yeah. uh, raptor hit you're right hit him before and as they sort of run for the door the camera passes behind some uh they sort of look like like a power transformer or something but i just love how it's got a real light blue light it's a lot different lighting to the rest of the 
lights in the building, in the shed, almost like a like a black lights situation there above those sort of transformer looking things. Yeah. But uh, as the minute ends, we uh, the music picks up again, and uh, we get Sarah starting to climb up the up the kiln shed. Anything on that that section you want to talk about before we get into uh, the pre-San Diego script? Um, there's really not much to talk about. I mean, there's some piping there, but yeah, there's a second set of cat there's a second set of catwalks at the very top, some chains, die, but I mean, not really much to talk about. Yeah, and it's sort of it just again it seems more like like a cooling tower. You got the the power stuff down the bottom, the control panels, and that, and then just pipes going everywhere and some of those pipes have those big big handles and the like the butterfly valves and that on them as mm-hmm. well so um like sarah uses one to climb up in the last minute where uh, they start to climb but um yeah nothing to really say power plant but uh getting into the pre-san Diego script and the road to here um when we left off with the group uh, the survivors from the engine camp had made their way to the operations building and um, Ludlow was saying that the radio was inside and uh, that it runs directly on geothermal power and the power shouldn't be a problem. So that little line from uh, earlier after the uh, the camp was destroyed sort of turns up here. And this is where it starts going in a different direction. There was no... We hadn't had a raptor attack yet, but uh, Roland says good. He opens that water canteen we seen earlier and starts pouring the uh, liquid all over the place. And Ludlow informs the others that it's T-Rex P, and that uh, Roland's completely out to lunch, which is interesting. He sort of throws the crazy word out there um, by spreading the way everywhere. But uh, no, Roland explains that uh, he doesn't want anything to do with it, and so doesn't any other animal on the island. As long as they stay in the operations building, they'll be safe. And he sort of unshoulders unpa- un- his backpack and checks his rifle, and uh, Sarah asks, where's he going? And uh, he says he's going after the... Rex, they've seen that fresh hadrosaur kill back in the valley earlier. As Sarah says, uh, oh, ask him if he's kidding. And Roland says he's not, uh, it's not really his nature to be holed up in a cave and wait. Um, which sort of, again, just sort of adds that personality to Roland a little bit. He's not going to sit there and wait for a rescue to come mm-hmm. when uh, his trophy's out there walking around. Yeah. Now, the next part is where it really diverges. And it's really cool, and we'll get into that when we get into that. Mm, yep. So yeah, uh, Roland sort of... Uh, no, Ludlow turns to face Nick and uh, takes a bit of paper out of his hat, which has got the, the radio frequencies and that on it, and uh, just tells Nick to identify himself as Harvest Leader, and he'll get through. And then sort of... It's a bit of confusion, because uh, Ludlow's going to go with Roland. He asks Roland if that baby, if the baby's probably going to be with him, Roland says it probably will be, and uh, he sort of tells them that the the baby could uh, single-handedly bail engine out of Chapter 11 after they've lost everything they'd come for on this trip, which is again sort of cut, uh, taken a little bit more of the script back from uh, earlier when the Hunter's Camp was destroyed. But um, Malcolm sort of asks Roland if this is the right time to be doing this, and Roland says it's the perfect time. Rex just fed, so it won't stalk us for food, and um, predators don't hunt when they're not hungry. And as he goes to walk off, Nick sort of tells him, no, only humans do. Which again, just taking that uh, what we've seen earlier in the film and having it here, not uh, not including Eddie's death, obviously. But uh, Ludlow checks the ammo clip because he's got that semi-automatic shotgun, mm-hmm. and uh, the two men walk off. And uh, that's when Nick and Co go into the communications centre, and um, 
as he sends the radio call or waits for a response, the others are sort of looking around inside. You get the chrome letters of uh, We Make Your Future and the mural as well. This is where you sort of get that stuff. As the reply comes in on the radio, the sort of the group sighs with relief. As uh, we cut back out to Main Street and five raptors silently enter the t- compound. So that's where uh, that's where the pre-San Diego script ends off. Uh, next week, as you said, David, it uh, pretty much ties up what we would have seen in uh, the San Diego stuff, mainly with Ludlow. But um, just quickly with the shooting script, um, as we ended last week with uh, Nean, uh, Ian, Kelly and Nick getting to the comms room after being chased around by the Raptors, uh, Malcolm Marks, where's Sarah? And then we cut to the kiln shed and we pretty much get everything we've just uh, seen in this minute and the previous minute um, happen in the shed. So we can talk about that with 94. Mm-hmm. But David, anything else you want to uh, chat about before we get out of here for the day? No, I think we're good. All right. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. Email feedback to the Lost World Minutes at gmail.com, Facebook The Lost World Minutes, Twitter at The Lost World Minutes, and Instagram The Lost World Minutes. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to All remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.